You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Joel Snibson. My name is Ella and I'm a volunteer here at St. John's and I'm going to be bringing our Bible reading today. Um, it's from Matthew 10 verses 1 to 15 if you'd like to follow along. Um, this is Jesus sends out the 12 apostles. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles first. Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any other town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or any shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter their home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Lord, we thank you for your word because we thank you that you seek to know us and you seek to speak to us and you call us to be part of your wonderful kingdom purposes in the world. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to us today to not only hear these words, but live them in our lives for your praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember when my daughter Hannah was born and it was a couple of days later and my wife and the baby was being discharged from the hospital and I was filled with all this excitement and joy. But at the same time, I felt the weight of the incredible responsibility of looking after this tiny little human. I won't speak for my wife, but I had no idea what I was doing. I remember the first time changing her, I literally thought I'd snap her arms off while putting it in a little singlet. It was daunting. See, it was no longer up to the doctors or the midwives to take care of her. It was now up to us. And maybe when you first got your license or started uni or began that new career, you would have maybe felt a similar way. Well, we've started a new series in the Gospel of Matthew, and last week we heard from The series is called Sent by Jesus. And last week we heard from Tim that Jesus was moved with compassion as he encountered the people. They were harassed and helpless. And Jesus calls us to respond in prayer. And as we encounter our neighbours and our work colleagues and our friends, I pray that we too are moved with his compassion 
Knowing their deepest need is Jesus. So let's be praying for them. Let's be praying for workers to be sent. But like me leaving the hospital on that day with the busyness of life, with this overwhelming time with COVID and everything else, we can sometimes doubt that Jesus would send us. Let's look at the passage, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So Jesus commissions his disciples and he gives them his own authority for this mission. Maybe you've been a boss or a supervisor and you may have delegated some of your responsibility. You may have shared some of the jobs or even decision-making, but I'm assuming it wasn't everything. But Jesus here gives his disciples complete authority to heal every disease and sickness, it says. Later we see they even join him in raising the dead. See, Jesus is the most secure leader that has ever existed. He doesn't hold anything back from his disciples. It was only the cross where he would go it alone. As we continue in our passage in verses 2 to 4, we have the list of these 12 names of these apostles that Jesus sends out for his mission. So it would be natural to think that Jesus was commissioning an impressive bunch of people. But Jesus sends out the unlikely. I just want us to consider two of the apostles sent out. We have Simon the Zealot. He was a political revolutionary. He was an anarchist wanting to overthrow the Roman Empire by force. And then on the other hand, you have Matthew, a government worker for the Romans, a government employee. You couldn't get two more extremes if you tried. There could have been some real issues in this group. But friends, on paper, this is not exactly a dream team. See, God doesn't look for outstanding people for his mission. Jesus tends to send unlikely people, ordinary people, people like you and me. So what are the reasons why we think God cannot send us? Well, maybe we think we need to spiritually grow a bit more first. Maybe you're a new Christian and you want to share your faith, but you think, I don't know much about the Bible, or there's still sins in my life that God is working on. So I'll wait till I be a better Christian and then I'll share my faith. But friends, the heart of the gospel message is that we are all a sinful people. We are all broken. We are all a work in progress and we all need the Holy Spirit's help to transform us. And Jesus uses this group of disciples just where they're at. Maybe we've tried mission before. Maybe we've stepped out at school or at uni or with that work colleague and shared something of our faith that's been vulnerable for us. And it's been met with indifference, a bit of mockery. So we've shrunk back. We've become a bit disheartened and just gets on with life. Sometimes I think we're too reluctant to be sent by Jesus because we compare ourselves to other Christians, don't we? We think God has somebody else in mind. So we write ourselves off. We write other people off because we or they don't fit some sort of mold. We think that mission is only for extroverted or outgoing people or the theologically trained or someone who's a bit more experienced in life. 
But friends, this approach is looking within, which at one extreme leads to pride, on the other extreme leads to despair. But Jesus sends us out in his authority, in his power, not our own. See this list that Jesus sends. They're unlikely and they're diverse. But Jesus calls them to make him known. Maybe we just don't know to start. Maybe you've got a desire to share your faith, but you just don't know what it looks like or even how to start the conversation. But notice that Jesus sends out the 12 on mission together. There's no one alone in this group. You'll notice in the text they're actually paired up. See, Jesus doesn't send us out as lone rangers all by ourselves on mission. And I actually think that one of the best places we can think about being on mission, sharing Jesus, is actually in our life groups. I think it's wonderful that St. John's has so many groups and many of you are involved with them even today. How can we do this as life groups? Well, as we heard last week, first of all, we need to pray. We need God's leading. We have so many friends, there's so, many, so much need that we can be crippled by it all. We need his direction. Secondly, we, it's wise to identify needs and people known to the group. Just think about your life group or your small group. Think about all the people connected to your group. Maybe get a whiteboard and brainstorm what God is already doing in your lives. And thirdly, I'd say let's create opportunities for relationship. As Aussies, relationship is everything. People don't care what you have to say unless they know that you're legit, that they know that you care for them. Even in John 13, Jesus says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Friends, our love is a great witness to the world. And see, God can use epic events in history like Billy Graham at the MCG, but often he uses the normal things of life, like taking the kids to school, hanging out with our friends, or going for a walk, or going to the gym. Think of your daily activities. How can you incorporate others into it? We could talk so much more on this. But God uses unlikely people to make himself known. As we continue in our passage, verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. So in their first mission, the disciples were to remain in a place called Galilee. And Jesus actually makes it clear who they are mission to, the, the lost sheep of Israel. This might be confusing for us. Hasn't Jesus come for everyone? Just a couple of chapters earlier in Matthew 8, 11, Jesus says Gentiles will come from the east and the west to join this kingdom. If you're familiar with the Christmas story, remember the outsider Magi who came and visited Jesus as a child. Outsiders were always drawn to Jesus. But sometimes the Bible is speaking directly to the original audience. See, Jesus' instructions here was all about timing. See, in that moment, before the resurrection, Jesus was saying the priority was God's people. They were described as sheep who had wandered off, who had gone terribly astray, and now the kingdom had come with Jesus and it was their turn to repent. But after the resurrection, we see in Matthew 28, Jesus flips this on its head and sends the disciples out 
to all nations with no limits. And this is the call for us. See, what I often love about church is that it's home, that's familiar, it's where you're known and loved, but hopefully where you have deep relationships. And if you do not experience that, that is my prayer for you. It's wonderful. There's God's grace here as God's people. But in that, there's also a temptation to hide away from the world. As we look in the Gospels, as we see in Acts, the Gospel calls us out into the world. And Jesus says this, verse 7, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Friends, if you are not a follower of Christ, know with him that God's kingdom has come to us, a place of healing, a place of restoration, a way to be truly human, a place where we know God's love and share God's love. But as we consider Jesus' instructions here, we see that the disciples were both to preach and to heal. As Tim said last week, mission is holistic. Maybe we prefer Bible studies and theology, or maybe we prefer prayer and worship and moving in the spirit, but in God's kingdom, they powerfully come together. And I don't want to assume, I suspect if you're like me, you're probably more comfortable in showing kingdom love, in being there for a friend in time of need. And all these things are important and part of the call as Christians, but our gospel actually means a message to share. Last week, the staff went around and shared our faith story in three minutes. And I want to say that it's actually harder than what you think. And maybe that could be something that the life groups can do over the coming months. Practice, share your faith story in three minutes. See, if we share our lives with people, we share what's truly important. And there comes a point when we're called to risk our relationships for the reason of our hope. The thing is, in Aussie culture, no one wants to be too intense, right? Everyone wants to be easygoing. And I'm saying the method of our evangelism is to be intense or to Bible bash people. But the reality of the last two years is life has not been chill. Life has been intense. Just like in Jesus' day, God's kingdom has come to a world that is groaning, that is devastated by sickness and death and suffering, we've seen evil. Carefree people are now fearful. Healthy people are getting sick. Some people are dying. Mental illness is crippling so many of us and economic injustice is more extreme. And turning to politics, hoping for the best and pretending it's not happening isn't sufficient. People need real hope. People need real healing. And as we heard, Jesus' compassion is for harassed and helpless people. That's our friends. That's our families. And God has gifted us with this rare time in history, a one in 100-year pandemic. Friends, you have something to say profound for this moment to your friends. And Jesus' kingdom hope includes where we go when we die, but Jesus speaks of a present kingdom, a kingdom that is here right now. And we have a gospel that meets people in their fears and their hopes and their sin and all their pain. 
Well, if all this sounds overwhelming and a lot, friends, the reality is we can only be sent up by Jesus because of his grace. Look at verse 8. Freely you received, freely give. We can only give of ourselves. We can only share our hope when we are drawing from what we've received in Jesus ourselves. And honestly, if our desire to reach your work friend or your, your fellow student has grown indifferent, if the compassion we've heard about last week isn't there, let's go back to our first love. Let's encounter the grace we know in Jesus afresh. Jesus sends out the dependent on him. I remember back when we could travel, I suppose we can travel now, but when travel was less scary, um, I was booking a flight and I was thinking it was a low-cost airline and I had to pay for the bag. And so I said to my wife, do you want to just share a bag? Because it'll save us like $70. But when it actually came to the flight and faced with the reality of having half a suitcase to use, I regretted my decision. I like to bring all my favorite snacks when I head away. I like, I like to pack that extra jacket just in case. And because I couldn't have my usual comforts, I just didn't like it. But notice how Jesus sends out his disciples. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you or your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Try and position yourself in the disciples' shoes. Actually, they couldn't have any. They were to go without any money to buy basic food, to cover any basic expenses. They were to completely head off without a bag for their possessions or even an extra change of clothes. They were to trust God to provide for everything. See, Jesus' mission requires complete dependence on him, but also an urgency to go because Jesus warns we can be distracted, right? He actually makes a direct correlation between holding loosely to comforts of this world and being effective on mission. See, our world is constantly preaching to us and telling us to be self-sufficient, to look after yourself, don't rely on anyone else. And Jesus says this is actually a barrier to mission. He calls us to dependence. He's not saying the material things are bad in of themselves. When Jesus says the worker is worth his keep, he's saying you'll be provided for like a worker, but the provision won't come from yourself. See, let's be honest, these times are quite overwhelming. Every time we meet people in person, it's a literal health and safety hazard for ourselves. But if we're honest before COVID, before all this Madness, what has got in the way of mission? Is it being caught up in a career or vesting in a future career that we just don't have time for people? Is it that we remain in a demanding job that consumes everything in our life just because our mortgage is too large? Or with COVID, is it just preferring to hide away at home, watch Netflix until Jesus comes back again? But friends, if our lives are always consumed with comforts and possessions, people will not take our God seriously because we're just like them. And Jesus gives us no illusions here. Mission is inconvenience. Mission is inefficient because loving people is inefficient. 
It costs us time. It costs us time on the couch. It requires planning and courage and boldness and prayer. How is Jesus asking us to depend on him today? We also see that Jesus sends us out to a mixed response. Come with me to verses 11 to 13. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. So the disciples here were to seek out accommodation and hospitality. They're like first century couch surfers. I don't know about you, but I would really struggle with this. I would feel like I'm imposing. But in Eastern culture, this kind of hospitality, even to strangers, was considered a right. It was an expectation. Friends, Jesus is calling for radical dependence, not only accommodation for the disciples, but also for opportunities to share him. As we see in verse 11, the disciples were to be discerning about where they would stay. They were to search out for a worthy person who would welcome them, who would hear their kingdom message. And as the disciples would enter the home, they would give a greeting of peace. I'm not sure about this service, but we do this in our services. We give a greeting of peace. We say, peace be with you. And someone responds also with you. Someone brings the peace. Another person responds to the peace. Jesus is describing peace like a check here. It must be cashed by the person receiving it or it will remain with the giver. Friends, Jesus sends us out with his peace, but he calls us to seek out people of peace, people who are up for hearing about Jesus right now. It's not to mean that they'll become a Christian on the spot or or that they'll understand everything you believe or they'll agree with many things that you believe, but a person of peace has a general openness to you, an openness to Christ in you. I remember some years ago before I was a minister, I worked in a normal job, in a normal workplace, and I was having conversations with this person. They seemed interested about faith, and to my excitement, they agreed to come along to church. And they seemed to enjoy it. Well, that's what I thought. And so in my mind, I raced ahead. I'm going to connect them with this friend. I'll invite them to the life group. But when I saw them at work on the Monday, they said, oh, it was really nice, but thank you, but no thanks. See, my idea of mission was just getting them to church. The reality is that's not where they were at in their walk. See, I responded by getting disheartened. And honestly, I stopped sharing my faith in that workplace for some time. I kind of gave up. And I remember about a year later, I was still in this workplace. And I'm like, God, what am I even doing here? I'm just here to get a, a check each week. But out of nowhere, another work colleague actually approached me and she was in tears. Like, what's going on? She's like, I'm struggling right now. I know you believe in God. Can you help me in any way? The short of the long is we met at the pub after work. I shared what Jesus had done for them. I shared that he loves them, that he accepts them, that he meets them in their brokenness. And from that point, they started trusting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 
1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. As Tim has shared with us last week, mission is partnering with what God is already doing. Ultimately, he is the one on mission. He is the one that opens the doors for us. And in reality, we might have a close group of friends that are not Christian, and we've been praying for them, and we've been even sharing our faith to them, and maybe they're not receptive. And maybe God is sending us out to other people for this moment. Jesus is actually asking us to discern what doors is God opening right now? Who is God put in your life right now? It might be the neighbor that you keep on bumping into and who's always up for a chat or that school friend or that work colleague who seems so intrigued by your faith and what you do on a Sunday. Or the mums at the school drop-off who are constantly keen to catch up for a coffee. Who is the person of peace in your life? So we continue verse 14. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. See, mission involves both acceptance and rejection. Not everybody is a person of peace. God will open many doors for us, but he, Jesus is being honest here that some doors will be closed to us. And this picture of shaking the dust off the feet was a Middle Eastern tradition of actually severing ties with people. The disciples were to separate themselves from Jews who had rejected Jesus. This sounds intense. See, it's not that our mission is a transaction. It's not that our love is conditional. We don't know how people will respond to Jesus in the end. But Jesus is saying, don't hang around when the doors are closed. We can remain peaceful. We cannot take the rejection to heart when people reject Christ because ultimately it's a response to God and not to us. In today's passage, it ends with Jesus' warning of a final day of judgment. See, Sodom and Gomorrah was the Old Testament benchmark of a people who had rejected God. And if rejecting Jesus' followers was worse than them, Jesus must be pretty awesome. Jesus must be pretty great. He must be worthy of everybody's attention. See, we will all face God for how we have responded to Jesus in this life. And knowing that he alone is the judge gives us a freedom when we encounter closed doors to not be overwhelmed or disheartened like I was. See, we're not robots. We should rejoice when people respond to his grace. We should mourn when people reject him. But as we go out in his authority, we have a freedom to know that we are not the saviour, that we cannot change people. We can't twist people's arms into the kingdom. It is God's work. And if doors are closing, we can pray for them. But Jesus gives us permission to shift our focus onto those who are up for it. For the harvest is plentiful. As we go to our workplaces and universities and schools, let us go in the grace that we have received. 
Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.